you know, when you enjoy your life, don't take it for granted. And just, you know, your dream's working, you know, if you can make money from it, you should try that And while you still got time. And we are back with another Black With No Cream podcast, the number one resource for content creators on earth. Every Monday, we share interviews and discussions with industry-leading creatives whose stories will inspire you to follow your passion. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, and my goal is to provide you with the shortcuts, tips, and advice that'll take your career to the next level. You are now listening to episode 214, and today's guest is Anthony Supreme. Yo, so Anthony Supreme is a photographer and music video director who is best known for his personal work for J. Cole. He has directed music videos with artists like Denzel Curry, Gold Link, St. John, J.I.D. and Earth Gang, and more. Anthony has documented some of the crucial moments in J. Cole's life, such as the For Your Eyes Only album artwork cover, along with the famous Dreamville Revenge documentary. He's even gone on to curate Preem Magazine, which is an independently black-owned magazine that focuses on creatives. In this interview, some of the things that we discuss are Anthony's upbringing in North Carolina and his interest in music videos from an early age. His journey serving in the military for six years as a staff sergeant while trying to shoot music videos on the side. How the passing of his mother pushed him to dive headfirst into his career goals as a creative and move to LA. His ability to stay focused, trying to get as much experience in the industry as possible while living out of his vehicle. How he stayed so focused trying to get as much experience as possible in the film industry while living out of his car. He shares a story about his big opportunity working with J. Cole for the first time, career growth as a music video director and photographer, and so much more. I'm hyped to share this interview with you today. So it's time for current events. Uh, I'm hyped right now because by the time you're listening to this, I should be on a plane flying to the Midwest. Uh, my homie gave me a really good deal on a Tesla shot to Craig. Uh, so I'm going to go buy that from him, and then I'm going to drive down to Iowa to chill with my family for a few days, and then me and my dad are going to road trip that motherfucker out back to L.A., uh, which should be fun. I should. I was thinking I should bring uh, my Zoom audio recorder, and my dad and I should re- do a podcast while we drive. I feel like that would be kind of tight. So maybe that's coming in the, in the future. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, man, we've been moving everything around in the office. So I don't know if you all know about our office setup here. We used to rent one like side of a suite shared with two other people. And then when the virus hit, they all dipped. So we ended up taking over the entire lease for this office, which was mad expensive. Shout out to Patreon supporters, anyone that buys merch and shit. Uh, but we took over the whole office and just haven't had time to like utilize any of it. We haven't moved anything over to the other rooms. They've just been big, open, empty rooms. And, uh, we recently decided to switch it up. We want to move the podcast table over to the other side because I think it has less noise, which hopefully will increase the sound quality of the episodes. And then we're going to set up our rooms in the middle with our office, our desk setups, and try to like create like a cool YouTube space, which has been dope because we've been just getting certain things for the desk setup so we can make YouTube videos. And I think it's the productivity is about to go through the roof with that 49-inch monitor, man. <laughs> I'm hyped as shit. Uh, I just shared a picture of it on my Twitter uh, with like kind of cleaning up the cable management shit, which has been amazing. Cable management is key, y'all. My shit was a fucking disgusting pit. Uh, it looked like cobwebs uh, from some creepy movie below my desk, but now it's all managed. The other cool thing that uh, we decided to do, we're going to test it out in the next morning roast, um, and I would love for y'all to participate in this, is we're going to start creating like a community question of the week. So at the end of the morning roast episodes, we'll have a segment and we'll take calls from people. Obviously, we can't do that in real time. So what we're going to do is have people submit voice notes or videos to bwncsubmit at gmail.com. You can send in a video or audio note. 
90 seconds or less, please. Asking your questions, pick Dave and I's brains. We will answer that shit on the show. I'm hyped about that idea. I shared shared the idea out with the, the community and I've gotten a lot of cool feedback. So if you want to be a part of that, email us. If no one emails us, we won't have the segment. All right, you guys are tired of hearing me <laughs> hearing me talk about this shit. So you know what it means. The time has come. You need to pour up a coffee, get ready to take some notes, and enjoy the best podcast ever created. Right, motherfucking now! Ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is. Anthony Supreme's on the podcast. Bow. Bow. You good? I'm good, man. I'll be safe. Um, everything is wonderful. I got coffee. I'm breathing and everything like that. So it's all good. But uh, <laughs> yo, I, I'm, I'm glad. Like I said, I'm glad that we get, get to get you on the show today. This is fucking fantastic. And you were able to do a mad last minute. But yo, where are you at right now? Because I know you're not in LA. I'm in uh, North Carolina right now. You're back in North Carolina. Where my hometown is. Where my father's house, helping him out stuff like that because uh COVID stuff I stay away from LA and um my father had a stroke a few years ago so um my mom passed away a few years ago so my dad <laughs> my dad always needs help with something so right so basically he's trying to take care of the house and maintain the house man yo first off sorry to hear about your mom uh that shit's gotta be incredibly difficult but I'm glad you're there with your pops and get to help him hold it down is this your old room that you're in right now talking to me yeah about? yeah man it's the room I kind of upgraded the photo I mean the uh Posters, yeah, you know, nice. Finally got some posters back there. There's more to it, but uh, this is your straight Zoom setup right here, right? Uh, I just made it a few <laughs> minutes ago too. <laughs> I was like, I really put this shit together. Yo, you know, they had like a whole damn thing on CNN one time about people putting the shit behind them and stuff like that. It's like, you should make sure you organize your books and stuff. Yeah, you gotta read them. Just right, just have it look cool. Yeah, people go out to IKEA just to lock it in, just for fucking Zoom meetings or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I feel like, bro, you have. I've been following you for a minute and I, like the work that you do is just phenomenal. Obviously as a J Cole fan, like that's kind of how I got put onto you. And I feel like you, you're going to have a, a wild story and I'm, I'm excited to run it back with you. But like, if you were to describe yourself right now, walking up to somebody when they ask you what you do, how do you describe yourself? Uh, probably say I'm a director and a photographer. Um, I guess you can say I'm a business owner now, but uh, yeah. I mean, entrepreneur. Uh, young entrepreneur I, yeah man like I, I'm curious to know I want to get to uh, you know how you got interested in video and photo and everything like that but can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing like you know from the Carolinas you're far away from LA uh, you eventually move out yeah. here but like how did it start for you for me um far as upbringing wise I mean um we grew up in Monroe Monroe North Carolina is like a it's kind of like a city a little small city outside of Charlotte so it has like a lot of the traffic from Charlotte and stuff like that mom and dad you know my mom used to work at a bank. My dad worked at some of the factories around here, like back in the eighties and nineties, like uh, America was different. You know, it was like America had like a bunch of like towns and stuff that was kind of fueled by the, um, the sewing mills and stuff like that around here. So it's like, you know, most, most for, for a black person, I guess you can say like we pretty much middle-class black people from around here, but because, you know, most people at one point in, in the eighties and nineties were pretty much, you know, pretty much middle-class because most of these, um, um, sewing factories and mills and stuff right here had a lot of money for these people and the economy is really you know it's cheaper to live here than it is to live in the city you know what right. I mean? my mom and dad pay $600 a month for a full house and like you know full front yard and backyard you know what I mean so you know mm. you can't go nowhere in the world find that sometimes but but yeah I grew up here and then um, um, how I transitioned to like doing video and stuff I never was a, a person who really in, you know enjoyed you know shooting photography and stuff like that some kids grew up I grew up my whole life like parents my dad gave me a camera and stuff like that like no I think I've always been like somebody who enjoyed 
drawing and doing stuff like that. But I think for the longest period of time, I guess I really didn't know, like, I guess what you call like your medium or something like that, when you're trying to figure out what you're good at as far as, you know, your creativity. But um, I think I kind of came up in that area where like the uh, Alex Nazaris and Colin Tilly, where people were kind of discovering DSLRs, T21s, I mean, T2Is and stuff like that. And so that kind of where it kind of became. It's like, so that's probably like 2009, something like that, 2010. Right. So then you got put on, are you getting put onto them just because you're, you're kind of looking in like, who's directing some of these music videos that I'm obsessed with? Are you trying to like learn more about the directors that way? And that gets you put on to like kind of more behind the scenes of how they're creating their content and so on? Correct. I guess um, for me, like, um, I just, for me, it's like, it was, I was, I used to watch like Netflix before you had Netflix, a bunch of movies and stuff. You used to go to Redbox and stuff kind of buy. And then I think like maybe like this one kid at like a college at one time, he got like a T2I or something like that. And then he just started making like, you know, music videos. And I was like, let me just try this out too. So it became a thing of just like, just taking initiative to like figure something out, you know? And then one of my friends, I mean, I used to make, produce beats maybe back before this time, but it was just like so ass. So it was like, <laughs> so like, you know what I mean? So it was, you know, it was before a time where, like I said, it was on another podcast. Like it was before, like, you know, you had like the mini tutorials of YouTube where you can have, look on as many tutorials, how to make a beat, Fruity Loops, all that good stuff. But I used to run acid and it was just like so complicated to do the most simplest things. So, so like one of my friends, he was a rapper, you know? And so it was like, let's just make a music video and just like see what happens. So we just, had a bunch of fun, you know what I mean? I used, like, the school for, like, iMovie to edit in was, like, hard as shit. I didn't know nothing about Adobe Premiere at the beginning. And so um, from there, like, I did that one music video. Then the next week, the guys, some guys around the city, little small city we in, Monroe, it was, like, it was, like six, seven guys. Like, you want to go shoot a music video for $600? I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go make some money, you know what I mean? Because I've always been the type of kid that has always been able to, like, figure, I guess, I don't know if it's hustle or what it is, but even I was in, like, uh, middle school or, like, middle school or I would go to the dollar store and get like, you know, candy and stuff like that and try to sell it at school or when I'm in high school, I might have, you know, I might be, have a car as a senior, but all my friends don't have a car. So I might charge them $5 to go maybe five miles around town just to drop them off. Cause they don't want to ride the bus. Right. And I was in the military and then AIT, I was just like lining people up, like lining, you know, shaping people's hair up, doing the most basic stuff. I've got a one guard and we just going to shape you up. I might make $5 and, Right. You might be like, how the fuck are y'all getting these lineups? You're not supposed to have lineups in AIT and stuff. So, so it was always like, I guess, a way of just, you know, a business. I don't know what it is, but it's just like learning from that way. And so, from that, we just kind of just kept building and going and going from a local standpoint, like in Charlotte and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people that are successful now, like I've seen them before, like, for instance, like the baby. We knew the baby before he became the baby. And like his manager, I used to shoot music videos for him <laughs> when he Damn, was a right? rapper. So, so, so it's like a lot of like deep stuff, but, um, but yeah, from there, it kind of just became what it is. And like Alex and them were kind of like, you know, Alex and Colin kind of from that same space where, you know, you kind of like do it all, do it yourself type situation where I'm not sure about Alex, but I'm, I know Colin's kind of like one, you know, he picked up a camera and kind of figured out, you know, right, right, but right. being in LA kind of, you can blossom a lot more faster and grow a lot more bigger, you know? Sure. Yeah. Surround yourself with uh, a lot more people that are doing similar things. Right. Is, so, right. okay, hold on. So did you say you were in the military? Yeah, yeah. I was in the military for six years. Yeah. Jesus. All right. So we're going to get to that. So what I learned is that you found early on that you really had, you were business savvy and you could figure, you figure out the business side of it. So when you realized that there was like an opportunity, like creating videos 
was fun and exciting. And that's what hooked you. It's cool. Cause we just did a podcast this last week and it was like, remember why you started creating. And I thought it was interesting. Cause like, as we, you know, do this shit for a living, it turns into a transactional, you're chasing the check. Right. And right. I think that it's cool to reflect on those early periods. And it's fun talking to people about that shit. Cause there is something very special about the first time you got to hold a DSLR or shoot something in slow motion and you saw right. the effects of it and you really learn how to actually edit and all this stuff. So, so once you were doing that for fun, like, was it just like a curiosity thing, like making music videos? I see them on TV. They're cool. Um, right. But I do, and I, I think that there's people that are making music around here. It would be fun to make these videos. It was it just like an exciting part, or was it really that moment when that person offered you some bread for you to go shoot that it switched? It was both. Um, I think for me, um, I don't know. There's a lot of things and a lot of things that go on in my life, but it was like a transitional part in my life. It's like you know, for me, it was like it's a discovering of like you know, discovering what you love to do, and it was so weird at the point in my life. It was like I was in I was in school. I was active duty military, but I transitioned to like reserve. And then I was trying to go to university by reserve. And then I was picking up this talent of doing like, you know, shooting music videos for fun. But, you know, everything in my mom was alive. My mom, there's like a lot of stuff going on, but it was like the same meshes that kind of kept happening. Like, so I got kicked out of college because I was just not focused on like, you know, I was probably like a year done with social work. You know what I mean? But the dean was like, how do you keep fucking this up? Are you about to pass? What's going on? I was like, I got this. I'm doing all these music videos. And I might fly to Chicago and shoot some random videos and then come back to North Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, really just hustling. But then he was like, yo, you should just keep pursuing that. If you love what you're doing, and then you should pursue that more. Wow. You know what I mean? And then he was like, it was so crazy. He was a dean. He was a black guy. Not to make it a racial situation. But it was interesting here for him. It was like, I didn't expect to hear you say this and he told me a story about his dad that had like he had like a, a auto store or something like that at one point in time and then like he worked there his whole life and he enjoyed his job as being a mechanic and and he was the dean of the school but he didn't really enjoy his job you know what I mean so I was like what the fuck you talking about but you know and then that happened and then the military kind of came the same way it was like I was just so occupied with so much stuff going on and then like the military was like you need to get out of the military because you just you can't focus so it's like stuff you have to Everything re- relied on everything else. If you're in, in the military AIT, you have to, or not AIT, but you're in the military reserve, you got to make sure you're passing your physical training stuff, you know what I mean, as far as keeping your physical shape up, even though it's like part-time. But if you don't pass your physical training, then that relies to your, your scholarships and your money for school. So you all kind of started coming together and started conflicting. And so, you know, the same thing I with the military. It's like, you know, it's time for you to get out because of that, hey, you seem like you might be focused more on... <laughs> This what you got going on in your life, you know. Right. Now are the benefits and stuff. I was in it for six years and like became like a staff sergeant, and then like the transition from out of that was like you know same same conversation again. It's like you should focus on you know what you love to do. Like if it's directing videos or whatever it is, you should probably try to do that. And then you know and the whole time, my mom, I always felt like my mom and my you know my mom's situation was kind of holding me back too, not in a negative way, but it's like then she passed away. I was like, damn. Well, it was like so many like variables, and I met people like. Mike, Mike, he lives out in LA. He was a director that kind of came out here to North Carolina. And then like, you know, he just kind of gave me so much, you know, like, yo, you should come to LA and just thug it out. You know, and like you, you're telling me what you do. You should come to the big, the big C and work the same hustle and then see how it goes. And I was like, oh shit, maybe I should try that. And so a lot of things were going on at the time. We was doing a tour with like Denzel Curry and like Danero Ferrar and was getting paid like a hundred dollars a week, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's just like you know, that ain't shit now. Yeah, you you yeah. think about it, like, oh, I'm getting long term checks. Right. But uh, back then it was like you know, it was like a team thing. It was from a small city, 
you know, you didn't really have access to resources to the things that you have in like LA, you know? So, I mean, first off, shout out to that Dean. Like that's such a, that's dope leadership to have someone be able to not just, you know, so many people think that the school system is going to be strictly like about money and transactions, but some teachers are really out there trying to like teach you to go chase it. You know what I mean? And so it's really dope to hear that. When you did the mil- when you were in the military, you were also creating videos at that time too. Did you have the free? Because you're you're saying you're part time in the military, right? When I was full time, was active. I was um, it was pretty serious. I didn't really know. I didn't really do anything. But when I went to I went reserve, I went back, came back to Charlotte, and then um, I went to UNC Charlotte for a little bit, and then that was during that time period. I was like, let me just people started shooting music videos, and kind of it's kind of like the time period where everybody started getting cameras and right the, the, the Mark IIs to the the Mark threes and they had finally had video, you know, yeah, yeah, for, right. for, you know, creators. Yes. Creator. So then, so you, you know, you're, you're making these videos and experimenting. You had a homie push you to move and, and you hauled out to LA and instantly the tour happened immediately. Like how did that first tour come, come to be? Nah, the tour stuff didn't happen. Um, so I just, my mom passed away. And then, um, from there I just kind of like, so I think I had like a car and had a motorcycle at some point. I saw both of those and it got me like an element on the element. I was like, I'm just going to thug it out in the element. Yes. I was in the military, so for me, it's like we used to sleeping in, you know, one degree weather with sleeping bags. So it's like, you know, I can sleep in a car. That's yeah. nothing, you know what I mean? And you got you go to L.A. Once I get there, I travel all from from North Carolina to L.A. and get there. You get there, oh, everybody's kind of sleeping in their cars out here. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like normal. It's like you see it so much. You're like, oh, this is like okay. This ain't that bad. I mean, the weather is never that bad. All you got to worry about is like the mosquitoes during this time of the year, but. It's a long story, but making a long story short, like, yeah, Kimmerich came from that, just like going to LA and then like, so I knew what cold stuff kind of happened through Scott. Scott does a lot of stuff for Dreamville and then Scott's also from Charlotte too. So I met Scott before I went to LA and Scott went to LA before I did. And then I went to LA and then just like, you know, it took probably about a year and stuff like that. Just like, you know, trying to figure it out, you know, like doing a bunch of PA work, you know, jumping on sets. But I mean, the thing that may help for me was like, you know, I needed that. I need to get from like the small city mindset to a big city mindset to be able to, I didn't, I didn't go to school for this stuff, but yeah. a lot of DPs and stuff I was hiring for like, you know, music video stuff at a low budget at the time. And most of them dudes went to school, you know, they went to school to did, you kind of have to go to school, be a little bit of DP to be at least be able to shoot a certain quality. So my whole period of, you know, that, that period was probably like a five year to get to the LA transition into, you know, five years to where we are now. You know, I mean, so it's like right. a 10 year gap, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, to get to LA was like, you know, I went there and it started just you know, hustling around LA, you know, doing a bunch of bullshit, you know. That was your school to learn, you know, by being here and just really like going hard and being able to sleep in your car. You don't have any overhead. You you know, you've lowered all your costs. So, okay, can we talk about Scott? Because I mean, for those who don't know Scott, Scott's directed some of the biggest videos for Cole and, and Dudes of Machine. And your yeah. guys' relationship, I'm curious about how did you guys meet to begin with? Well, Scott was um in Charlotte at the time. This is before Scott even met Cole. Me and Scott had a meeting one day. He was trying to shoot some music videos for this local rapper in Charlotte. But then he was saying, I'm going to move to L.A. or something like that. And so once he moved to L.A., I'm not sure how long it took him for it to actually meet Cole. He met him some, I don't know, the story, I think it is like he, Scott was at the club or something. <laughs> he ran up to Cole and pitched him his idea, like dryly at the club or something like that. I don't know, you got to get Scott for that. But right. so Scott met him that way. And then, you know, so I met, I met, I met Scott through a meeting that I wasn't even going to take. He don't know that shit, but... But I was just like, oh, I don't know what, why would you want to work with us? And I mean, he wasn't working with Cole at the time, but when he went to LA, we both went to LA, we kind of reconnected. The crazy thing, I saw Scott while we was on tour with Denzel in LA. He was like, you look like you just 
depressed. You know what I mean? So like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, you're not doing what you love to do. All right, cool. So it was other things that, you know, meshes along the way to kind of get you on your path. You know what I mean? Or at least figure it out. I'm not assuming it's God or what it is. But so, yeah, so me and Scott knew each other. We connected again. Scott gave me places to stay sometime. You know, when he was out of town, like, yo, crash at the crib. I'm on tour with Cole. You know, it's whatever it is. But I've never been in a situation where it's like, you know, hey, hook me with Cole or nothing like, like, nothing like that. It was like, you know, I just kind of just just kind of kept doing my own little thing, trying to figure out my thing. Like, for photography part of it didn't come to probably about six to seven months after being in L.A. Like, I wasn't even shooting images. I was like, well, I probably should shoot images that I can make some more money that way. Right. <laughs> so that, that transition became, like, let's find some models and just kind of figure it out and you know, run around L.A. just shooting photos, trying to do both. And, you know, and uh, like I said, jumping on sets and stuff like that and just, like, running around, you know, for a little bit. Right. So then, so, you know, when you connect with him, I know I, I read it somewhere else that Scott pitched for you to come out and shoot some photos. It wasn't a tour, right? You guys just rented a bus to like go through the South. Right. Right. So, uh, Scott, um, I think after probably like a year, so it might've been a year two, maybe, maybe a year or so Scott, I guess he, well, Scott was amazing by itself. Like, you know, I mean, a lot of people are really amazing creators, but Scott literally had like one camera, and he shot this whole uh, Forest Hill Drive behind the scenes and documentaries by himself with interviews and stuff. He wrote, like, he's like a, it's crazy. But he did all this on one camera and it was such a good quality enough that they, they put it on HBO. So it was like the dude's ability to go, you know, most people just kind of shoot stuff and never really go anywhere, but now I really have a format to or like, I don't know, Scott's just a very good documentary filmmaker and also a really good filmmaker, like a lot of people. But once he did that, it kind of just like, you know, he got more, I think Cole got more confidence in what he was doing. And so from that came, you know, we had, he had four years only. And then him and him and Cole and Scott kind of built a relationship with doing something very organic. Like Cole would just randomly go places and Scott would just film it, you know, and it's like kind of things happen. You know, I think Cole was going through a very different time at that particular time. And so he got enough, you know, let's put together a team and let's just see what happens. If we, they were just going out and just shooting stuff and letting, the world kind of revolved around him. It's so weird. It's like, and it really draws a lot of people's attention, you know, like when the mass hysteria because of J. Cole out there, which is like normal conversations about stuff. And so they wanted to apply it to a bigger element of like, let's hire some people, uh, a video team, a photographer to come and just, let's take a week and let's just ride through the South and like get some stories. You know I mean, see, see where it goes. So it was kind of like just some free ball. It's like in the moment stuff that Cole was doing. Cause even when me and when I met Cole the first time, it was like nerve wracking. Everything went like, you know, I need you to shoot me, you know, you know, you have a cover shoes, like you kind of think, okay, let's put something together where we have like some perimeters or something like that, you know, but he's just like, yo, let me know you find something. Kind of like, you know, I was like, what you mean? Let me know you find. It's the first time working with you. I don't even know. You need to give me some direction or something. You know what I mean, like, nope. Just like, hey, if you find something you like, let me know. I'll check it out. And then, um, it feels right. It feels right. You know? So what, what did you do in that instance for that example? Like, you know, you get tossed into something like that. You're with Cole. And at the time, like, obviously we know who Cole is now. How did you handle that situation when you have someone that's not giving you direction? You're like, I mean, this is a real artist, right? You're shooting a real right, artist. Right, right. So trying to impress an artist from an artist standpoint is hard. Right. It is. It is. Uh, but Cole's cool. I don't know, man. So like Cole's out of like 10 years doing this, doing this stuff, bro. It's like, I don't know. Cole is like the only artist I ever met to this point. It's like, a, he's just a certain energy about him. You know, he also turns it on, you know, I gotta be Cole, J. Cole, you know how it is. He's around celebrities, stuff like that. But when he turns it off, it's like, it feels like one of your best friends. It's kind of weird. It's like, he's like the only person I've ever worked with like that. It's like, so um, I wasn't like 
the diehard J. Cole fan, even though I'm from North Carolina. I knew him because of the fact that he was from North Carolina, you know what I mean? Right. And it was tours and stuff he came through and stuff like that. But I became more of a fan of him when he had more interviews speaking because I was going through that time period. I was going through such a big transition and hearing him talk about, you know, conscious stuff on like certain things. Like, yo, I can, I need this as motivation and get me through this night living in this, this truck or like in this, in this element to get to another job or maybe I'm not thinking about life the right way type situation. Mm-hmm. But for me, that whole situation was like, you know, it was very, it was very cool because it's like, you know, it was very, very organic, you know, like, it's, it's like, I really, it's kind of hard to explain because we get on the bus and we, we try, I forgot where we started at, but we started there and then like, they just kind of get on this film stuff, you know, and just like, see what happens. And Cole might, he has certain areas he want to go to. I, I want to go to Fedville and I want to go by this parking lot. We'd be, we were somewhere like at 12 o'clock in the morning and like it was pitch black, black and nobody was outside and we might be in Fedville, but he'll just look in this hotel place where it's like a lot of crime, maybe a lot of drug dealers might be, he might just walk around and see what happens. You know, it's kind of like the world kind of come to him. It's like nothing was planned. Like Damn. it was just weird, man. It was like the most weirdest week in my life. It's just like, cause it wasn't like, you know, it was like, this is so crazy. It's like, you know, all the things that kind of happened was like, I, I'm the type of person where I like, I shot a cover for him, but that's kind of like the most epic photo cover you can kind of shoot for somebody. Cause it's like, you didn't change the stuff. And it's like, it's kind of like a great moment of time where you can kind of like, it's like, it's like a reflecting time of like what I was going through and then the stuff that was happening, it just seemed like it was very organic, you know? Yeah, of course. It's kind of weird. No, that was yeah, dope. It, was, it was interesting. I never, never seen anything like that. Like everything's usually like scripted or like we get to go here for a little bit of time and, you know, we got to move out because it's going to get crazy or whatever. Yeah. But it was just like the one time where I was like, yo, we really went somewhere and we just kind of just see what happens, you know? Told stories. So was it two questions? One, was it, uh, what can what gear were you shooting on at that time? Because this is so, yeah. What gear were you shooting on for that? Me, I was well, shit. For me, for, for, I was doing photography on that one. Um, I like it was the first time really shooting film. Honestly, I was I was just shooting. I don't know. I was just trying everything. I was shooting on um, a 5D Mark II at the time, and then um, had a bunch of little film cameras, just trying things out. Yeah, you know, just let's see what this does. Let's just try things. We had a whole week, so I was like, let me just because he didn't really. Give you no directions. I might be shooting like a thousand photos a day, just like of documentary style stuff, you know. And then also just if I see something that match, show it to him for a cover, you know. And like there was images that we shot probably the second night that they never well, a lot of images we'll never see the light of day. But we shot it at like this like car wash spot in Fedville, and it was like we shot it. He like I love this fucking image, it was like some silhouette of his hair and stuff, and then. Somehow the, the the memory card just didn't work for some reason. It just we lost all no. of it. <laughs> and he really wanted an image, and it was just like, uh damn. I don't know. The memory card didn't mess up any other time, but that one time. And then it's so weird. And then the final image that the people will see is like, you know, it's like even that whole process was weird because he was just randomly in a random neighborhood, and this kid was randomly there. I didn't know who he was, and I just saw the kid and shot it. And then and the whole pitch to him, I had to pitch it to you know his manager and Eve and and Scott in the back of a, of a tour bus, you know. First time pitching, you know, J. Cole, hey, I think this might look cool for an album cover, you know what I mean? Like, you've, you know, I never seen y'all do a black and white cover, you know, so it's just like nerve wracking. And then I didn't think it, I showed him the image out of what it was and I didn't think of what it was. I didn't think it was going to happen, but, you know, later down the road, his creative director found the same image. So it's just like, it's kind of wow. weird. The image still kind of stayed there, even though another image was what he wanted would be what he wanted. But, just disappeared. You know yeah. I mean? So, so, okay. So you shoot this photo. It's like a, it's like a random kid, Cole, right? Were you going out there with the intention of like, let's find album artwork or was it just like, yo, this is fucking fire. This should be album artwork. I don't know, man. Um, 
because even at the time, I didn't hear none of the music. So it's like Cole was recording, Cole was making music videos alone while he was there. So I had to like, I guess we was, I don't know what it was. I forget. It's been a long time now, but, but, um, but a lot of it was just like, it was so in the moment. I didn't really know how to like figure out what For Your Eyes only was through like conversations with him and like conversation with Scott, you know, and then they were shooting, like they were shooting music videos in the environments we were shooting photos in. So I was listening to the music, trying to figure out direction. All this stuff is like really emotional. You know what I mean? So it kind of just happened, you know? That's crazy. What a random, like think about how, ra- so, okay, this is my follow-up to the gear question is, before you left to go on this tour, were you living in your car? Yeah. So when, so you leave living in a car, go on tour, living in a nice bus with a little bed and right. some food, I'd imagine. And then right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and maybe some drinks. And then you end this trip having just shot J. Cole's album cover and go back to living in a car, right? Exactly. So what was your move coming out of there? Because I had, I mean, I got lucky enough when I li- moved out here, I got a homie that let me sleep on his floor. So I had a little air mattress in the corner of a room with like two other people. And I remember going and having shot for Mary J. Blige at Staples Center when she came out as like a special guest for Taylor Swift. And I'm in there and I'm filming this really intimate shit. And I ended up making this video that both of them saw and they cried when they saw it. And it was like this really big thing. And I remember leaving that shit and coming back and laying on my air mattress and putting gum in the hole so I so it wouldn't leak because it was leaking and I'm sleeping there and you know got paid whatever and just sitting there like how am I how did I just do this iconic shit and I'm still on a fucking air mattress you know what I mean how so for you how do you do that shit and then you go back to sleeping in the car what's the next move what does that give you the the motivation I got from that is fucking unreal you know what I mean what was that for you I don't know for me it took so long for it to actually come out. So we shot it like in September. That's a really cool perspective because it's, I think it's like LA too. It's like in LA, you can be working with a celebrity, like for instance, I know Quincy Combs and like, you know, I might go to Drew's house and I was still going back to my car at night, but you go to Diddy's house is like, you know, he, he, you know, rich people, you know what I mean? Not the negative, but it's like, but then you go back to live your life. You got to kind of pretend, hope I don't smell a little weird today. I forgot to take a shower probably like yep. two days, this week, yep. but I'm up here in this guy's house. It's weird, but I think that's LA. But for me, it was like, it took a little time for that to actually come out. But I don't know. For me, it was just like such a cool experience. I think it was more experience with what it was. I didn't know what they're going to pick, actual cover or not like that. So I don't know. For me, it was like, uh, I don't know. I, I, for me, at first, it was never about, like, still ain't to this day, it's about being a celebrity or anything like that. It was more about just, like, I love my art. I love what I do. If you love it, great. You know, here's a platform. And all this publicist is like, yo, you should be doing all this press work and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, cool. I, don't, I didn't really know. It's a transition from, like, you know, anybody. Like, if you're working with somebody you, nobody knows, and then you work with somebody everybody knows, it's a transition in some kind of light, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you course. do something that's iconic, like, you know, if somebody did Beyonce's next cover, it might be, oh shit. And if it's like a certain, a certain way, people are like, who the fuck did this? You know what I'm saying? Right. Outside the same spectrum that she may always, always use. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Uh, for you, for you, you know, I'm, the move out to LA took, took a lot of energy, right? You had people in your ear and your mom passed. So I'm curious about your relationship with your mom and how she saw you as a creative. And then how did that, you know, compound into your decision to take this risk and leave uh, and come across the country to live in your car and try to chase this hustle? Uh, my mom knew about me doing music videos. Honestly, 
I did a music video the day that she passed away. It was so weird. Like I woke that morning. It was like the day my mom passed the day after Christmas. Wow. So we had Christmas. She had like complications that night. And then I remember walking out the door, my homies like the same guy we did a tour with hundred dollars a hundred dollars a week with some bullshit. Uh, my mom passed away as soon as I came back. I did the music video, came back home. My sister would call me the whole way back home and it's like, yo, your mom passed away. I'm trying to hold it together around these people. Your mom passed away. You know what I mean? So with that, my wow. mom always knew what I did, but my mama never knew like what it was. But I think the whole scenario with my dad and my mom, and just in life, you know, I have friends that died and people killed themselves. So it's just like, you know, it was just like that really I realized that, you know, if you have the opportunity to pursue your dream, you should probably should do it. Or at least I try, you know, like, Hey, if, if, if the transition is you going to LA and just see what happens for like two years and then maybe reevaluate the success of or unsuccessfulness of it. And you right. should give it a try, you know? Yeah, of course. Damn. That's brutal, man. That's insane. Uh, you know, when something like that happens, what did it change for you creatively? Like, does your vision creatively change the style of creativity change? Um, or was it just like survival mode? Like anything that I'm going to like, whatever comes my way, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, was it like that? Like, how did that affect you, you know, moving forward? Um, my mom was like, my mom had sarcoidosis. So it made it hard for her to kind of breach out on her lungs. Like Barney Mac had sarcoidosis, but this happened so long ago. He passed away from it. And, but, um, so my mom, for like five years of her life, she really couldn't do the normal things or until she passed away. It's probably about 10 years of her life. But wow. my mom was like, you know, wanted to do, just wanted to go outside. You know, like right now we live in COVID. Like my mom had a disorder for her lungs. She kept telling me, it's like, if I go outside, I might get sick because of whatever it is. I might get pneumonia and pass away. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't understand that. But that's just real for like, you know, living in North Carolina, the the, um, the air is a little more thicker than it is in L.A., I didn't know that because we don't deal with, you know, breathing or issues with actually breathing, but somebody in the world does, you know what I mean? So um, her whole perspective of life was like, you know, she always wanted to do the most simplest things, like walking outside, like, you know, so I was just like, damn, if, you, if you're healthy, you should pursue, like, chase whatever you need to chase, regardless of what it is. That's one of the things that really clicked on me the most, like, just live your life to the fullest before God starts taking pieces away or you injure yourself a certain way. Like my mom didn't, my mom smoked, but my aunt didn't smoke. She had the same disorder, you know, and, wow. but it's just like, it's not might be hereditary or what it is. But, um, so it's like, you know, you can be anything, you know, you can go out here today, and, you know, you get shot by somebody or get hit by something and, you know, you can't walk anymore. So you can't, you can use your hand or you might have a stroke. People are having strokes. I didn't know about strokes until my dad had a stroke. And then, there's people in there like 30 years old, you know what I mean? Just randomly had a stroke one day and it's like, you know, shit, you could eat good, be healthy. And it's like, nah, bro, like you can't use your left side of your body no more. So right. now you got to figure it out, you know? Damn. So yeah, I man. think that's kind of like really fuel, it didn't fuel everything else, but it's like, you know, when you enjoy your life, don't take it for granted. And just, you know, your dreams working, you know, if you can make money from it, you should try that. And why you still got time. I don't have kids or anything like that either. So it's like, gives you the ability to kind of do that, you know? Of course. Yeah. I mean, there's so many creatives, I think, that are always afraid of taking that leap, right? There's always an excuse. It took me forever to get out to LA because I had a million excuses of why I couldn't go yet. You know what I mean? Even though I felt so confident that I deserved to take the risk and I set myself and I've, I practiced enough and shit. I think that's yeah. important, man. It's like, it is too short. You can't, I don't remember, I'm trying to think of all the scenarios where it'd be like, don't ride your skateboard. And my mom would just get on my ass to rub my skateboard and shit. Like, right, right. don't ride in the street or whatever. I'm like, whatever. I could walk across the street and get smoked by a car tomorrow at the, you know, wherever. Like, that shit can happen. So it is important for people to take the, like, don't, you can't wait too long, you know what I mean, to take the time to go and do it. Because what would have happened if you didn't go? You know what I mean? What would it be? Well, make so much money be making now. <laughs> yeah. And also, you, you, you know, you, maybe the content you would have 
documented at the time, maybe you would have lost interest or maybe, you know what I mean? Like you, you're trying right. stuff, so, you know, it's like local artists and shit, but I think that that is a major, major uh, tip is just to chase it, right? Like to really go right. after it. Um, so, okay, cool. So that happens, right? You do, you do that little mini like trip and you cur- curated this content. Were you sharing this shit out on the internet uh, after you did the trip or we, was it all like, let's keep this private and hold it for some other shit? Well, I had to learn. That's the thing. Well, I had to learn <laughs> a lot of like, you know, Protocols. big artist stuff. Like, yeah, I heard certain, some of your podcasts like, damn, which motherfucker would tell me that shit before I, you know, like the stuff y'all be talking about on this day, I'm like, them are so many gems, like even contracts and stuff, like ownerships and like, you get paid X amount of dollars. You'd be like, hold up, y'all made a merch with this stuff too? Like you start looking like, hold up, this is a lot of money that I missed out on. <laughs> Yeah, you, you start learning the business side really quick or just like, you know, like the artists and like what the shit. I got into trouble so many times. I get in trouble all the time with Cole, but Cole is so private. So it's just like if either I get a text from Adam, his, his creative director slash manager slash whatever it is. He never hit me sometimes, but if he hit me, I know it's extremely bad, you know, but um, <laughs> but <laughs> if Cole hit me, I know it's, it's you fired. Come on, yeah, you right. Take this shit out. But yeah, I had to learn that, you know, sharing and like, not to talk so much about certain things. And like, it was like, I don't know. I mean, I think it was uh mass appeal of someone reached out. I don't know. One of my homies, Josh, she's like, you want to do an interview right quick with this, you know, talk about the the cover. I'm like, yeah, sure. I guess I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know what I mean? Just like yeah, right. having a conversation, but I didn't really build develop relationship enough with a management team at the time when I first did it to like have a good conversation about what, what is the plan? You know, I don't know. People reaching out to me. I'm like, and people, PR people are like, you should be doing all the stuff you can do to get your cloud up. I'm like, all right, cool. I don't really care about that. But um, I was just happy about the experience, you know, but, but I guess after a while, you, know, you start learning like, yeah, I'm you assuming share everything yeah, yeah. you want to share all the time. Right. You right. Be extremely selective about what you say and don't say. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of the art. And the hardest part is that we do sharing is, that's like my favorite part about this podcast is like us sharing your story can help another person. Like you just said, like you listen to the contracts conversations that we would be having, like that could help out many creatives, but if we're not allowed to talk about our contracts, then everyone else is going to be shooting, shooting in the dark guessing and you are going to fuck yourself. So we're trying our hardest to help people uh, through telling stories. And like, honestly, man, if you're living in your car and you get to go spend a week with J Cole and shoot some shit and you don't feel like maybe like every time I work with a new artist, I'm telling myself like, dog, you're not supposed to be here shooting with Beyonce. Like you're not like five years ago, you were in Iowa. Like you shouldn't have been, this isn't for like there's 7 billion people in the world. You were the photographer on that bus. You know what I'm saying? Like that's tight as fuck. So when you have conversations, you want to share some of the shit, but yeah, there is like a fine line uh, uh, of the sensitivity of, and that's why NDAs exist. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. So, it's so such a crazy plan. you learn that way and through time you've kind of developed yourself as, as in that side of it. But how, how did you pivot from, you know, that trip and starting to work with someone like Cole to building and establishing yourself out in LA? Cause I know that you and Scott end up like going on to direct videos together and you were still making music videos. I'm assuming when you came back, what, what, what was the process for you? Process was like, I don't know. We did this stuff with Cole. Everybody got paid for it. And then um, from there, it's, I don't know. It was just like, you know, it took it on top of everything to come out. But I think it's like, you know, I realized that it takes so much consistency. You know, it's like if you want to be, even if you think about as far as any any walk of life. So if, if you are a director or a photographer, you have to have consistency at a certain level. Mm. So if you're shooting whoever it is, if you're hitting cold caliber of artists, Kendrick and, and Beyonce and all in like, you know, six months, seven month time periods, like that's a, a serious consistency of like 
branding and knowing yourself. But um, from that, it's like, it just took me a little time to go back to like, you know, you know, we got to make money, you know, and like cold stuff is a business, you know, the tour part wasn't even happening yet. I think I kind of like pitched to it. It's like, I want to do this tour with y'all too. But the transition became like, you know, back to directing and trying to figure out stuff and like trying to figure out the directing standpoint of like creating music videos. And like, it was still the same grind for me. It's like, mine's like I said, I've never been to school for this stuff. And like, we were trying to find the budget, you know, trying to get a more than a $5,000 budget at the time, you know, still sometimes I, I'm not no super successful music video director, but I think I enjoy the stuff that I put out and I think transition from that too. It's like, yo, do you want to be shooting Beyonce or wherever it is, but not shoot what you enjoy to shoot or you want to kind of shoot something you have a little more control over at some mm-hmm. point. But everything was like a transition of like discovering where you want to be in the full spectrum. Cause like when you get to LA, it's like, the film world is so big. You can be in any piece of it. Like you could be a, a, a gaffer making extremely amount of money a day and no stress. You know, maybe I got to make sure this fucking lights up here, but that's it. You know, <laughs> you know, you know I got to make sure the truck gets here on top. There's so many, I don't know, I think it kind of like perspective it gave me. It's like, first of all, the perspective of knowing that when I got to LA, I started being around Alex, the people that I enjoyed. I looked up to Black Diamonds at the time and like, see working producers that are making a kid's studio, all these people. So it's like, you're getting a chance to see what you, from a small city to a big city, like, okay, I was saying the things, right? I didn't have money, but I was doing something, right? You know, right. The, kind of the idea of being a director is the same concept, but you didn't have the money or notoriety. So as a photographer, Cole was blossoming to like make you a, a somewhat realistic, real life photographer, but directing wise, it's like, you know, you still got to figure it out. Where, where do I want to be in it? You know what I mean? But, the whole time period was just that, that whole transition of like learning. Do I really want to be a director? Probably not. Do I want to make money while I'm out here? Yeah. So maybe you should try to like see where you want to be in all the film situations. Right. I mean, like it's because so many jobs. You can be a producer today. You can not produce stuff before, uh, you know, and then PA stuff before. I think I was casted in something before randomly, you know, but it's just like, you know, yeah. AD some stuff. You know what the fuck I was saying, but it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just trying just like, to get get a touch on everything. People over and over again. Right, exactly. I, I, it is important, you know. That's super crucial. Obviously, when when you move to a city like that, obviously this is the city in the world where this shit all goes down. So when you come here, get your hands on everything you possibly can to like adapt and shit. Um, for you mu- making music videos, you had made several music videos from back home when you moved out here. What were the ways, how were you connecting with artists? Like, how were you making proper pitch decks and trying to, like, sell artists on that? Were you were artists contacting you? How did you build your name? I mean, you're literally living in your car. You have right. your camera gear to yourself and and your budget for whatever you had for savings. So, like, how were you doing this shit? I was, um, man, we was here in Charlotte was, like, you know, it's smaller. So you'd be thinking that, you know, local rappers are the most successful people. So it's, like, you can apply the same, you know, you can, most people is like, I'm, music industry is kind of easy. It's kind of like, you know, a law of attraction. It's like you, somebody can see something and want to do it, especially if you're really good and in a small environment like Charlotte wasn't that many people even making A quality at so at the time or not even having the camera situation was a whole generational changes. And like, oh, now you got a red guy for like nothing. But um, so that was easy as far as like local. But when I got there, I, I had a mentor named Clifton Bell. He was like, a he's a, music video director too you shot stuff Birdman and stuff like that so it was, it was me and Dante Dante does a DP the stuff too and so um knowing Clifton he kind of like he said something one time he was he was pitching something to Birdman for a Birdman document that came out he was like pitch Birdman um 
I pitched him every day, dry emailed him every day for like a year and he didn't respond to probably like a year. So I'm like, what the fuck? But then we, me, me and Dante, the Dante DPs now, but for like a lot of people, I think Dante's DPing for Spike Lee or some shit now. But Whoa. um, so we out here shooting, you know, footage for Birdman's documentary that came out five or six years ago. You know what I mean? So, but it was interesting hearing that perspective. So when I got to LA, it was like, I didn't go out. I didn't fuck no bitches. You know, we just kind of like kept it, you know, Hey, waking up in this stuff, doing it. I mean, you live in the streets. It's like, I mean, wasn't completely in the street. You have friends and stuff. We just feel like sleep on the couch. My homie Constantine lived in Hollywood. We'd go over there. He would always get kicked out from his girlfriend all the time. But <laughs> go over there in Hollywood, sneak into the apartments and like, wash your booty and get you to get yeah. yourself straight for the week, you know? But then you'd be right back, you know, reality sets in, you know? Then like, you know, you, the idea was like, I'll wake up in it. So it was like, I'm emailing people. I'll be dry emailing people. Um, some people I met in LA just by like sending emails and make stupid jobs. Like I was supposed to do some like editing for like this auto detail place in LA. It was going to pay me like 200 something dollars or some shit. I was like, nah, that's stupid. I'm getting paid. But if I wait, I can make more money, you know? Mm. And then, I don't know, just like, you know, how to text people every day, how to like, you know, once I started getting on set, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to see the same people every music video. It's the same people work, same music video. Like you'll see the same people over and over. Same producers do the same music videos. You may not know the name because they don't care a fuck after so long. It's like, yo, just give me a check. Yeah, I'm out, you know? So I just kind of just kind of like start realizing what was going on. So I realized, okay, if I can, I didn't really know anything. So it's like, you know, somebody come from a nowhere, didn't really have no school knowledge and like that. So it was like, when you get to LA, I had to try to figure everything out. Who so, should I be connecting with? Right. Producers or the DP or director? Like, no, you should be connected with the producer because they're going to be the one looking for somebody to hire. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that whole process was like a long year or so just like, you know, emailing, dry emailing people and like, you know, learning the ropes, you know, yes. the ropes. I mean, so you, you, you know, you're connecting dots and you're really starting to like absorb everyone that's around you to try to build relationships and friends. Cause you never know when you're going to need someone to watch that light for you as a gaffer. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? It's so, probably going to be the same people. Exactly. <laughs> and so when, when was it that you got like your first music video job that you directed out here? When did that happen from that process of like learning the ropes and everything? When did that first one come to you? Well, I did a lot of free music videos at first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, paid or unpaid? Yeah, it, it was trash. Now you look back at it, you know how, to, how the shit works. But uh, I don't know. The first one kind of happened. But I had, like I said, I don't know the DPs too. I had the cameras. Like it was at a point where, you know, you have shit grid and all these cool things you have. Now you can like, you can go, like I said, you can get a riff for like $200. Probably definitely get a red one for like dirt cheap. But right, I mean, right, like, right. You know, a dragon. Right. Like, Hella cheap, you know. Yeah. The stuff that you have is like, you know, reasonably priced nowadays. But right. you know, five, six years ago, it's like, bro, you couldn't find nothing for cheap. So you yeah. gotta like have at least a relationship with somebody. So it took a long time. It still takes time every time I do a music video. Like, but the first music video was like, you know, free. Shot for a rapper. I think he's now in jail now. And um so right. after that's been kind of like, you know, learning and learning. But you know, I learned a lot from Scott too, just like, you know another perspective of, of being a director, like Scott's like super, like he can write better than I can. And like, you know, even like the jobs and stuff, we got back to the part of like writing briefs and stuff like that. Like I met plenty of like, you know, reps and stuff throughout the process. You know, it's the same concept. You're trying to submit thousands of briefs or like treatments to who this person is and you never get picked for the job. You might spend three days doing the shit. And, um, but I think also, it's, I don't know, for me, it was like, you know, just learning so much of like, from different people around me, you know, like, like I said, with Scott was like, Scott was very skilled at certain things that I wasn't, you know, and mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I'm, I'm not the best fucking writer. 
I'm not very articulated with my ideas. Right. But, you know, you can probably learn that from somebody else, you know. Were you starting to get on some of Scott's sets at the time? Were you starting yeah. to work? So what would you do like that? Was it like docu- like BTS documentary type stuff? Or were well, you starting well, to shoot? Um, me and, well, Scott has some smaller project stuff we started producing. We did stuff like Chance the Rapper and um, BJ the Chicago Kid at one point. Like, we got a chance to produce. It was like 5K, you know. But um, we, me and Scott was doing the same thing because we both came from the same place. But what Scott was like, you know, he had cold, but he also had a, like, you know, develop a relationship where I can get a $100,000 cold budget and be able to facilitate, right. you know, a cold $100,000 budget. It's like a whole process of getting there. I mean, you definitely know, but. Um, from the producing yeah, side, like, from like the producing standpoint, is that what you're saying? Like the producing standpoint? Yeah, it was when I started doing producing standpoint. But being a producer with Sky was like, I kind of could start realizing my weaknesses and strengths hmm. by looking at him, you know, and like as a director, like I got some stuff I got to approve on if I want to keep going down this path, you know. Right. And so what, like at that point, what is the biggest music video you would say that you directed the first one where you're like, fuck, this is a lot of pressure. This is up for like young and reckless before. Like branded content. Yeah. Branded content was pretty cool. Honestly, man, every single one of them been stressful as fuck, but uh, yeah, <laughs> because it's like, it's most of the budgets I used to get. I'm not damn hitting 50, 60 K. Most of them is mine's is probably like 20 K under, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it was very stressful, I guess, every single step of the way. You need to get five, 500, 10 K. Every single one was pretty difficult, you know? Yeah. How would you deal with that? Or how would you prepare for like, you know, at the time as you're learning, you're still, are you relying and leaning on the people that you're surrounding yourself with? Or how, how would you go about a day? Cause I know sometimes I think the problem is with young directors is they shoot for the moon and you realize that a 12 hour day it is impossible to get to the moon in 12 hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? So sometimes you fuck yourself because you have all these setups that you can't even get to. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the first setup took three hours extra and someone showed up late <laughs> and shit. So how, how did you handle that and, and deal with that as a young director? Honestly, man, I didn't know at first. Um, I feel like I'm like the most rookiest. Like I got that. I just threw myself in there and like learned every step of the way. It's like, um, I didn't know when you shooting. I think it is when you shooting like, by yourself just shooting some $500 music videos whatever it is and then you start getting to like 5k 10k 30k instead of higher and higher it becomes you have to be so you have to think about it more logical you can't just do all this abstract shit. you got to be very precise about what it is you're doing because it might be like you said it might take three hours to set up a fucking damn light that needs to light up a street because you had an idea of i want to shoot this motherfucker in the street in the right. middle of the night spin around with rain or mm-hmm. Man, I don't have the budget for that anymore. So it's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that. And then, I, I, man, that was a period of life. I was like, man, I got to really think about what the fuck my ideas are sometimes. It's like, <laughs> how do you, you know, it was like, you really got to think about it. It's like, damn, you got to like, and even I always struggle with like, I'm a very abstract person. So it's like, sometimes I can't even articulate, you know, that in writing, you know. And so, but I always, I always look at the treatments I pitch based on what actually happens. And it's like, that video was very simple. It's just three scenes. How the fuck? Did that work? You know what I mean? But yeah, I think for me, it was like a, it was learning experience. You know what I mean, just like realizing that you have to write differently and you have to be a director that under, understands that too. It's like, you know, it takes time to, and DPs would be like, they'll, they'll stop. I mean, they'll, they'll force, you know what I mean? They'll push back a little bit. Like, Hey, it's going to take me a little longer to like this. And you thought it was, it's going to take this prep and camera and like, you want to move faster I don't know, man. It's definitely me. I feel like I've learned the hard way. I didn't go to school for anything. So it was just like, 
kind of learning like, you know, in the moment sometimes. Yeah. And that relationship between a DP and a director is so precious. You know what I mean? Because right. I, I don't know how many times I, I love seeing combos, right? I, I have a lot of friends that choose a specific DP. And then when I'm around them, it's funny watching them fucking go head to head sometimes on ideas. Right. And sometimes they're like hugging each other the next minute, but they hate right. each other the next minute. Like I need this shit shot just no matter what it takes. And then, all right, fine. And, and I think having someone that can, the, you know, really rely on to check you and put you in place and be like, it's going to take, I promise you, it's not as easy as you think it is for whatever reason you think it's as easy. It's going to take longer. Uh, having that team is so critical. You know what I mean? So did you, you started like really growing your relationship with specific DPs that you wanted to lean on? Yeah. It, that, shit, that's a struggle too, because like, the, man, it's like DP is like a marriage. I mean, it's like, you really, it's like another part of your body. Really. It's simple. You thought about like a director and DP, at least with, you shoot at a high rate of speed. So you have to kind of be on the same page. That took a very long time to figure out that, that concept of that. Like you can't move fast. Okay. Moving fast. You got to find the right DP that matches your personality. Right. You know, right. also it's certain things, so much stuff to learn. I don't know. Being a director or photographer teaches a lot about being a human being. Sometimes it's like, you know, it's like you have to, if you struggle with like, like sometimes when you shoot stuff by yourself, like the rookies mode and you go into like the professional, it takes a lot of like being able to talk. You have to really, really communicate, mm. you know, like when you're just shooting in the hood, you know, with some guys, you know what I mean? Like some simple hood videos is cool. But when you start doing higher production, it's a lot of communication that, you know, I wasn't used to. I mean, from my perspective, it's like, oh shit, I have to really communicate these things that are, these things don't get done. I have to yeah. push certain things and like really know my shit enough to be able to tell somebody something but as like, like I said, DP is like a marriage. Like it's on certain DPs I like, but then the struggle becomes like your DPs are good. So they're going to keep moving up too. So it's like, well, I ain't got, I don't have the $20,000 you're getting for, or the, the half a million dollars you're getting from Colin Tilly last week. Uh, I only got the 5K. Let me, yeah. let me pass on you this week, buddy. Uh, I'll come back to you and get your money up. You know what I mean? Right. That happens a lot. You'd be like, damn, I miss, I really miss John. I, oh, I really miss Russ because Russ was really good at this. Oh, I miss Dante because damn. It's like a love affair, but, yeah. but you have to be cool with like people are also growing out of space too. Like they're not trying to like keep doing 5k music, music videos. They yeah. try to do damn. I mean, same yeah. Movies. Every time you get, you level up, you get to stay in that level. You want to, you try your hardest right. to stay in that level. And I think that that's kind of, it's a, a good thing about when you're using your DPs, right? When you're pitching yourself, this is a great business tactic because you can use certain DPs names and the quality and the past work that you've done as leverage to secure bigger budgets. So someone may come at you and say, oh, we want to do this idea. And you're like, yo, the one person I know that would murder this is this person, but it's going to cost, we need more money. We need right. more money. If you can use that and pitch it the right way and get everyone on board to love the, the whole direction that you're pitching, that could bring a bigger budget. And overall, now you get to create the art you want to create and you get to bring in, you know, create the way you want to create. Because like you said, I love that you said it's part of your body because... As directors, a lot of most directors, I feel like that I've interviewed, most of them are hands on first. They shoot the shit themselves and they learn that way. And then they get into the directing role. And leaving that is one of the hardest things in the world. Letting someone else shoot some shit for you when you're sitting there and you're watching them not do it right and you're trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to do it. Anytime I've edited with Chris Brown, it's always the same thing. Like he knows how to edit in his head, but like he, he's never learned how to do it on the computer. But when I watch him talk, I'm like, oh shit, like you really get this. And that's gotta be frustrating when you're trying to achieve something and someone's not getting it right. You know what I mean? Like, right. so you have to finding the right partner in that. That's funny to look at it like a marriage. That's hilarious. Uh, it's, it's critical. 
So when you went on that first tour, uh, was it an artist that was supporting Denzel Curry? Correct. I was with uh, this artist named Denaro Ferrar. Okay, He's cool. And you were doing videos for his tour? Actually, I was doing, <laughs> I was doing, uh, damn, I was road managing and slightly tour manager. Wow. So it's a, it's a long story. Like I was so, me and Denaro started doing stuff back along when I first started. We used to do music videos and all kind of stuff. So I was kind of like the artist. I was like, yo, North Carolina was like the only artist popping at one time. So Daryl even knows the baby. So we met the baby when he was before. Yeah. He was some other baby, baby Jesus, something like that. So there's a long history behind that. But then, you know, but De Niro, like he was like, you know, the person we had. And so I kind of was trying to transition out of doing all the, the videos. We were doing like 10 videos a month sometimes, like just shooting stuff, you know what I mean? Crappy as hell, but it was cool for the time. And so like the crazy thing, it was another guy, his, so his managers kept changing. So we had to do a lot of roles. We PR sometimes, you do this right here. And then his manager at the time was Miko. Miko, <laughs> Miko manages uh, 10 Summers now. He's like at 10 Summers. Oh, he, wow. He's on a DJ Mustard. So Miko Johannes, uh, he was like De Niro's manager at the time. And so like, uh, so it was just me, Miko, and De Niro at the time on that first tour with Denzel and Mark. So what I love, what I love about that is you're doing this road management and shit, and then you go on to end, end up directing a music video for Denzel himself, right? Well, I got fired. Miko fired me on that tour. That's a long story. Fired you on the tour? Yeah, Miko fired me on the tour, which was the greatest thing in my life. They left me in fucking Cleveland, Ohio, and I was trying to go to Toronto for some love, but they left me. <laughs> so, it was long. So we had like a lot of fallouts. So everybody kind of fell out from that situation, but it's cool how everybody kind of transitioned, but yeah, then Denzel, I knew Denzel through that tour and then Denzel just happened to be in LA maybe a few months after I was in LA. So, and then you guys reconnected to do another video. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's funny as hell. Damn. For fired off the tour to being able to go rock it with him. Right. Cause Miko is like, Miko used to, used to, Miko used to be broke as shit with us all sleeping on the same couch. Now Miko gets <laughs> Hundred thousand dollar cars. There you go. <laughs> in LA. Yeah. Get that 10 summers back. 10 summers in LMU. Right. So what, at what point, like in this career path, do you kind of did you get an apartment or whatever, find people that you could live with? Did did you tap out of that at some point? Like well, it became it. So when we started doing well, when I started going on tours, the tours take up so much of the year, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like the first tour with Cole was probably like six months. We did Europe, Australia. And America, so it's just like, well, I was still in the car. I was like, well, there's no, there's no good to even go get an apartment if you're going to be gone. If he's going to keep touring like this, even two years at, a, at the time, I don't know. The money made more sense to stay on tour, as it always does. It's like, you know, place to stay, uh, living good, and yeah. eating good, and everything you want to do. So it kind of be like, yo, I'm just going to stay in the car. And then, like, when I come back to L.A., and if I'm not in L.A., it became like a more of a bi-coastal thing. I'll go back here, and I'll be, like, living here with my dad, helping him out around the house. And my dad was fine back then, but then the last two years, the last tour we had, he had a stroke during the tour. But um, and so the tour stuff kind of happened. We kind of made it more sense, like, just kind of keep it as it is. I mean, just like, you know, my friend, I started living with my homie, this dude's named Fora. He's a rapper. So I lived in their house. And then, like, you know, they gave me a place to stay. And, like, you can work and grind here if you want to. And then after the same thing happened. I was gone six months again, and my car started falling apart. You know, the homies at the house were driving the shit and, like, fucking uh, shit damn. up. The, the price you got to pay for the free place to crash. Right. So it was just like, it is what it is. But they had cars and stuff themselves. But I think other people, I left the keys with them. I should just <laughs> put in storage and been okay. But right. seven, you have like your friends looking at you, looking after your stuff. So it more became more of a transit. Once the tour stuff happened over the last years, is 
always been, you know, kind of bi-coastal. Right. Okay. So tour wise, which tours did you do? You did two tours with Cole? Correct. So which tours were those? Uh, the For Your Eyes Only and the, uh, I lost the poster, uh, KOD tour. So when you get For Your Eyes, right? Now you're going on a tour where everyone, I'm assuming when you're at the shows, you're seeing people holding vinyls and shit with your fucking photo. That's amazing, right? Like, that's a full circle moment, right? Because how long, from the time you went and did the little trip down south to the time you went on this tour, how much time had passed? Probably about six months since the first last time I saw Cole, probably. You know, from the cover release, yeah, about six months. It was in June. He released the album in December the year before, so yeah. So, like so you hit the tour and, and what's the experience getting on the road like, um, you know, with him and what were some of your job, like duties on the tour, like photography straight or were you doing both? Just photography? Well, once they got on that tour, I didn't know what the fuck I was. I mean, it was just like a, such a extreme transition from the tour before, you know, like you on a tour of the, you didn't have no budget, you know, get a hundred dollars a week. And then you, you pretty much thugging it out. You're doing 14 jobs to get through a night and not really first two. You don't know what you're doing with your homies. So it's just like, you're trying to figure out, but you get on that. It's like, it's so I'm pretty sure if you go on Beyonce, it's like a massive, it's like a resort. Yeah. Sadly, right. You know, from, I guess when you have that perspective of having it where nothing works and you have it where everything works, it's like, well, shit, this is, this is walking apart. I can do my job every day and I'd be, I'm happy. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. so so, so you're transition. So you're so the goals were, uh, you know, is it lifestyle photography in and out of shows, and then capturing all the shows? Was it? Ca- are you doing that every single night, or you know, how often were you turning around content? Was the goal for like social, or was it for like documentary purposes? Well, I had to learn. <laughs> the sad thing about uh, Dreamville, sometimes you don't, uh, the creative director don't really tell you too much about what's going on. So the first tour we did, he did, I remember, um, it was kind of like, I didn't know what it was. It was a mini tour, so it was like a more of a smaller run and then go into a big run. But I didn't know that's what's the factor. So the first run had Jid, Ari, Earth Gang, Boss, Cole, and I forgot who was on that tour. It was like a lot, probably like five. So all the new arts are all pretty much blossom now, but that first tour was like that. And so basically I had like pretty much, Scott was doing the filming of it. And then um, I was doing photography. So we had a photography and shoot for all the artists and, and Cole, you know, Cole, is little, Cole has always been like, it's whatever. I don't give a fuck about it. You don't even use social media. So it's more of a Dreamville thing, branding for a record label, social media thing. So, but, but the artists were the more important parts. Like, so if you have Ari and Jid, it's more about making sure they get their content. And then, you know, as they kept getting bigger and bigger, about first we did the first leg, the second leg was, I don't think it was all of them again, but it was like pretty much that whole that whole first year of touring was pretty much Ari did Earth Gang for like a whole six months. I knew them guys for like six months in a row, and that was the only photographer because they didn't really have a budget for that at God the time. Damn, so, that's a fucking shit ton of deliverables. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every night would be I don't know. I, I, to me, like I guess I, I I put together like you know you can presets everything. So I didn't really concert photography is only so much depending on the lighting person you know what i mean so it's like you know how it is so if you have a really good lighting person you can pretty much set your settings every night and it probably can be the same shots like right. you can't and once i learned i learned that too it's like you know the first tour was like i was trying to do two motherfucking shooting everywhere and i was like bro i'm working my ass this, this arena's big as fuck you know it's like <laughs> you have to really you got to really correlate and think and the security is different every arena so we realize right. deep, you know what it is mm-hmm. so it's like you like so you got to really plan and execute your ideas and, and pace them out. Like by the second tour, I was like, let me pace this shit out. Like, cause after a while you start getting the same images, the same songs. So it comes to create part of like, but 
at the first tours was like there's so many artists so they just needed images and much content you can create with it was right. behind the scenes it was artists and stuff would pop up dj must might be backstage or so it wasn't so as important for cole it might be so important for like g and ari right all the up-and-coming artists if it thugs back there that they need they need those photos for like their social media stuff to kind of build their stuff so it was a lot so my process was like you know shoot everything have a preset and I might, I might have like two or 3,000 photos a night and I might go through them all, all of them. I might just kind of break them down enough that I feel like it was kind of cool. And then or like be selective of what I'm shooting after a while because I'm like kind of transition to me more of a strategist about, you know, I can't be up here editing. But the trend, I mean, the, going from like a shitty tour to a bigger tour is that you can kind of, you need to almost create yourself a schedule to kind of get used to, you know, like everything that's going on. Like, you know, if you're shooting the last... Cole gets off the stage, I don't know, like at 10, 11. That's cool. I might spend time off the bus doing and I might do it. And by the time I get done, I can, I can sleep on the bus and be in the next city, you know? Right. So, so it's like, it, it worked itself out. Even if you're in a hotel room, it, it is what it is. But as the, I feel like the more work I give myself, the more easier it would be, you know? Well, I think it's cool yeah. how like, you know, that first one you're doing road management and then you go on to do a Denzel music video and then you go and do this tour and then that builds a relationship with uh, J.I.D. and... Um, Earth Gang and shit, and then you did a video for them, right? Didn't you and Scott do a video? Yeah, me and Scott did a video while we was on tour for that, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, that was while you were on tour? Yeah, we was at, um, we was in L.A. The one, I forgot, was in French Charles, something like that. We was at Summer Arena, we was at one night. We just kind of shot there. Jay was like, yo, let's do a video. And they had, like, some money. And, like, it was like, just do a video with an endorsement of this right here. Put Cole in. I don't think Cole was even wanting to be in the video at the time. But, um, but yeah, it was sound like, you know was on tour. Yeah, so we shot cool. it right in the parking lot. Got in trouble a couple of times. I think we was trying to do some shit. I didn't know. Was that the first tour? Yeah, so it was the big arena tour. And Scott knew all the security people at the time. I didn't know. And so security shuts down. I was like, I don't know what the fuck these kids out here shooting. Are they even with y'all? So it was like, <laughs> they were show- we had smoke bombs in the, in the, uh, by the bus or some shit. And they thought it was a damn terrorist going on. Oh, damn. It was, like, what the, it was like a cool little music video effect. They shut that shit down. It's probably like five minutes. So <laughs> I don't know. It was like a lot of just like learning. Like, you know, you can't, you got to check in with the tour manager before you start right. doing crazy shit. Right. And uh, you got to know the security yeah. the right way to let everybody know that nobody's going to blow this place up while J. Cole's here tonight, you know, so. Yeah, that's important. Uh, it, It's, <laughs> yeah, learn the security's names. That shit will go a long way. Right. That'll go right. a long exactly. way. All right, let's talk about the revenge doc. Shit's incredible, right? And obviously now you've built the rapport with Cole and the, the, his whole team to be able to continue to work with them throughout the you know the years. What was that? What was that process like? It was was it free? It was free on YouTube, right? They just dropped the film on was it on YouTube? I can't remember when yeah, I saw it. Was, it was free on YouTube. Yeah. So what was it like being? It was a great piece. Like you're and for people who don't know, you're putting all these artists are being flown in. Where was that at? It was in Atlanta. In Atlanta. So everyone's getting flown to Atlanta, and they had right. like a select amount of days i can't remember what the total days were to knock out an album right and and everyone had like a shot to be a part of this project right so it feels like from what you hear people in the interviews and shit it's like this almost like this competition but everyone's working together to make the illest shit possible yeah yeah. and you're brought in to do photography strictly or were you doing video too photography but we yeah, photography. But we realized there was more people there. It became a competition as well for us. I, I <laughs> so was wondering that. It was like five photographers or some shit. And, and the photographers were doing both because, you know, Complex would post some shit every time they post some shit. So it was like, we got to get our cloud up while we're here. It was like, someone was like the first time being around Cole, not just from a photography standpoint, but then from like, you know, 
the experience standpoint, it's like, you know, we, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. They just kind of, we got there the first day and then I was, was, was nobody there. And I was trying to figure out what's going on. Why y'all got these like little flowers, little yellow things that was posted on social media. Like, we'll send you one. I'm like, what is it, bro? Like, what is this shit y'all doing? And Cole was like, oh, okay, I'm finna post right now. I'm like, what the fuck you post? You finna post on your social media? Yeah. And so like, it became, I, I didn't really know what it was to like, six, seven hours later, what the fuck was going to everybody started post. I was like, oh, this is what it is. That's kind of fire, you know, type situation. And it became this little cloud of beautifulness for so many minute artists, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, so what I loved so much in the, from an editing standpoint was the you the way they utilize the photos from the sessions. Like in the yeah. edit, they're cutting to these, da, 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 and they just like show these really cool perspectives from the photography. Uh, so yeah, I was interested if it was, a competition for you guys as creatives as well, because did I, I can imagine that you didn't know your photos would be utilized in the film or did you? We didn't know. We didn't know. No. Like that had to have been an edit choice later on that the editor was yeah. like, Oh, this is kind of fire. So, so in that, was it just like, let's just document. You knew that some of this content was going to be shared. You guys were allowed to share it throughout the week on social media or, or how was complex reposting people and shit? How, how did that? I don't think I was. We never, I don't know, I don't think, we couldn't do what the fuck we wanted to do, I know that for a fact. One bro, one guy got in trouble for, like, doing an interview with somebody. <laughs> I guess it all. But, so, it's like, it was still the same thing. It's, it's so hard when you're around so many people and so many caliber of artists to be like, yo, I need those photos right now. And it's like, you have to kind of develop a system. Like, yeah. Dreamville had to develop a system where it was like, send all the stuff to us and we kind of let you know what, what's good and not good. And then you can post wherever you want to post to a certain caliber, you know? Right, like... But, um, I don't know, it was, it was pretty tough because it's like, you know, every you have some artists, producers there, and some I don't even know. You know, you got Kenny Beats there, you got people that I didn't even know at the time, you know, and like, you know, just like, some artists, some are like platinum-selling, Grammy-nominated, you know, Grammy-winning, you know, producers. I don't, I don't know their face at all, but they need content. So it's like, their manager be like, they be like, yo, can I get your numbers so you send me these photos tonight? Like, you can't, you have to put a system in because some things you, you're getting... From a paying standpoint, I guess that's the learning too. It's like you have to realize I'm getting paid from Dreamview. I'm not getting paid from them. You got to go back to them to get the money, whatever it is. I mean, so it's kind of kind of shaky. But um, for the most part, that whole situation more about just like you know, you know, having like some type of system to what we were sharing. So people would get stuff to pretty much do every way they could <laughs> for the most part. Right. So they, all they all they really wanted cared about complex only cares about like cold and you know him and with somebody else that pairing, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 So when, so when you go into, um, go into this project, like you said, you didn't really know what was going on yet. You're, you're just told like, yo, come to the studio. Um, and we're going to give you some direction when you get here. Like what was like the coordinating for it? Cause if you got five photographers, some videographers, they're running around hella people in this space. I mean, I saw it. It's not like a massive space. There's like right, a ton of fucking producers and, and creatives in there. How are you coordinating a job like this? You mean from the, from Dreamville standpoint or from? Well, yeah, I guess like what was what was your job like? What what did they? What was the task given? Was it just document the fuck out of everything you see? That's what it seemed like. It, it was no direction at first because I think it was something that they kind of did spare a moment, like a week or so before. Let's just do this idea and let's make it happen. We'll figure out when everybody gets here if, if it works. So I feel like that's what it kind of was, and by like the fourth day. It started be, like maybe the second day it became something realer than what they expected it to be, and it became something bigger than they wanted it to be. So they're like, "Oh, we have to kind of put some parameters." And like, 
even from the directors and like the, the videographer people and photographers, they was doing both when they were supposed to probably do video, but that wasn't my job to give them that direction. So, but it also became a thing of like, not knowing what it was. It was just shooting, film everything and we'll figure it out. But right. you really have to put some type of, that's not my job to do, but they, after a while they did it. Like, okay, y'all just do this and you just do this and like split the, you know, split it in half and like get where it's at. But for, everybody was kind of like, it was so spare in the moment that it was just like kind of, Survival. Yeah, it's like everyone get content. What what was uh you know, it's gotta be pretty inspiring to hear. I mean, those songs were fucking bangers. That shit whole the whole thing, right, the whole project right. slapped. What was it uh was there any memorable moments you had in the studio or watching some of these songs be created that you could reflect on? Yeah, absolutely. It's I really, you know, like a lot of times it's like interesting watching some of the artists that were even my dream artists, like, you know, like Ari became huge after that along with her album came out it's we talking about like what 2018 now so it's like you know it's kind of weird thinking about that but so people just kind of grew up out of that space they became artists artists like she you can't call on the phone no more right. <laughs> you know like you gotta you know you know what i'm saying so she did the same which it was kind of doing already earth game kind of got better and bigger they got a lot of people got nominated for grammys that they would probably never get you know um even the spirit that was amazing spirit. Even like being seeing some people. Sometimes I, I value the conversations. Like you might see things you may not even you know this. Like you know you you, you never realize as a creator. Like there's just so many conversations. People these people even because you don't see people in like videos and photos together, they're still having conversations together. You know you might see even for that situation you might see Callie was there, but you know I'm pretty sure you, Beyonce or somebody had a conversation. Be like I didn't never expect these two people to be in the same room together. Like right. You know, Big Crit and like Cole having a conversation about life or ASAP Rocky, not ASAP Rap, but ASAP Ferg and Cole having a full ass conversation in Sydney about life. You're like, what the fuck? I didn't, you know, right. Or it might be things that you never expect. So sometimes it's really to me, sometimes being a fly on the wall is just fucking cool as shit. You know what I mean? Like, like I always used to watch like, you know, behind the scenes videos of like Justin Timberlake and Neptunes in the studio. Like, bro, like, what? I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here and watch this shit. This is crazy. Like, yeah. And like, what, what, what are you, because I guess the cool thing about that particular situation is that I always seen Cole when he was, all the artists when they're performing, you know, they're like, that's a different, different, um, different part of their space, I guess you can say. But when you see them in work element, like this is a work thing now. So I'm really going to see how their process, like, okay, I'm seeing how Cole really deals with T-minus about, you know, I'm seeing T-minus put this shit together, like scratch from beat. Oh, I'm seeing Chase the Money of the Corner making beat after beat. And I'm seeing Colliver struggle trying to find the words. I've never seen that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like, or like Earth Gang, you watch Olu or somebody in the studio all night. They're sleeping there. Like, I'm sleeping in the studio. Why not? It's free. You know what I mean? I'm making beats all through night where everybody goes home, they're in the studio. You know what I mean? Um, even night, it's like, sometimes I, I think I enjoy that from like having a light producer background. Like, I just want to see how things curated, you know, like that's really more exciting. That whole process is more exciting to me, just watching how things are being created. Like, right. like just these things, we, we get to be around us. Like, it's so, so crazy when you think about it. It's like, even what you said, it's like, you know, you on stage Beyonce with 75, 80,000 some people, you know, but you know, you get to see Beyonce when she was struggling, trying to find out the lyrics for it. And now you have seen it on the stage where yeah. everybody knows the lyrics for it. It's like that concept is like, Wow, yeah. you know, it's like it's From like I'm seeing you struggle making this beat and making the lyrics, but now, now I'm on stage with you on tour doing many cities with you, and everybody knows all these lyrics. Yeah. Sixteen thousand for his cold perspective, you know what I mean? But this is as a magical process you know, as a human being, you know. It's like 
kind of crazy. It's like it's humbling, man. And it's also cool from like a fan of music. Like when we come up listening to this music and then you get to experience the life that is beyond the music. It's like you get to see that process and, and hear the hear it the rawness of it and you see it come to like there's something really cool about that i think that's like one of the luckiest parts and i think that's probably why so many people want to be in these positions they want to be around and shoot for these artists and experience this shit um and, and when you re- actually really care about the music it's a right. it's really dope you know what i mean like it, it's extra extra dope right versus it just being a fucking job you know what i mean you get past like the famous part like some people want to be famous beside the artist but like if you if for me it's always been like like watching the MTV Music Awards, if you can just be back then, like, damn, this is how this shit really went down. Like, you really struggling. Or like, you know, like, yeah. seeing it from behind the scenes without sometimes even being involved, it's like so cool to me. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what you were saying. Man, I love that. That's dope. Uh, one Random fact, one time I used to rap and shit with my homies and we would play oh, okay. shows in Iowa. So Iowa rap. But I opened for Cole <laughs> and Crit. They came in, we opened wow. for them. It was like the crit, that was like the peak moment of life. And then, uh, and my only interaction with him was, um, he was just like walking to the bus and we were walking and we were like, uh, like we were trying to like think of like, all right, what if we talk to him? We need to be mad cool. Like what if he fucks with us and shit? And then we were walking, he was coming towards us. And I know in our heads, we're like, all right, cool. We're just walking and he, he was like dribbling his basketball and he just kind of did like, ah, uh, ah, uh, and juked us and, and then kept going. And we're like, that was fucking tight. <laughs> right. right. Damn, yeah. he cool as fuck, Damn, that was so dope of him to do that shit. Cool. Remember right. this forever. You know what I mean? Nah, right. That's hilarious. Uh, yo, I, I'm interested in Prem. Like, you, you create a magazine, a whole brand. So when did this shit start? I, I'm curious on that. Probably about two years. I thought it was three years ago. But it was only two years ago. Yeah. So Prem was the same thing. Uh, not the same thing. But Prem came from what you're doing. You know, like realizing that, hey, you may have some type of following or whatever it is, but you know, for me, it was like, you know, being a photographer is like, you out here trying to chase to be on these magazines, like, or even like, you know, me and Cole shot a whole fucking press for like, like photos never seen before. It was like, yo, we should pick, take these photos and put them on magazines. So we showed like a whole photo shoot of just like images that everyone see the light of day. But we died, it was like, we should put these in magazines. I was like, yeah, I fuck with that. And then, but, that transition, trying to get magazines to do it and him approve it, it's like, ah, uh, I don't fuck with it anymore. So it's like, I realized that, hey, you got to position yourself. Even magazines, one thing, but just position yourself where, you know, like maybe the workers start coming to you, like have a reason for doing things. So premium became a thing of like being somebody who was kind of pushed out, shoved out, like you're, you're not accepted to like, okay, let me create something based on what I, we know all the creatives, like me and you both know shit ton of creatives. Like it's more about maybe a money thing or opportunity thing. And then after that, it's pretty much like, let's just build this stuff one step by step by step, you know? Right. So then the, the mission of the, the magazine, like, what's fe- what do you feature in the magazine? And how is it difficult to, like, kind of curate that? It is difficult. So first year, it was, like, just me and my girlfriend. So we had, like, Jinx and Nadeska do stuff. And um, one of my favorite artists in the world named Jameson. So, and, um, so like, we just, at first, we're just trying to figure out what the fuck we're doing. Like, what it, first, it was just like, first, it was like, let me make a magazine with all my images. That's cool, but that has only such longevity. It seemed like it's harder, you know? And I was like, well, let me just make a magazine magazine because this is like not going anywhere. So it took me in the process of same things like directing and stuff I've been doing. It's like trying to figure it all out, you know? It's like, it's not that complex, you know, at some point, but um, as the content started getting to where we at now, it's like, you know, trying to find a target for you. You have to find your target audience base. You got to find your target. Like it becomes business at some point. It's like, you got to figure out 
if Supreme, this ain't Supreme, Supreme, but you have to figure out if Supreme has a box logo and that motherfucker sells 3,000 because it's a box logo, that's the target. So it's like, if, if you can make that for magazines, whether it's, you know, independent black, which is black owned magazine, or if it's like, you know, a piece of merchandise that's to target, you have to figure that target out. So it, that whole process became where we at kind of right now, but the, the content is becoming, evolving to what it needs to be involved into. At first it became all over the place. And then we just started reaching out who whoever do it, you know? And then, you know, and also over the years been like trying to figure out people really engaging, where are people engaging content with and where they're not engaging with. And maybe like a year and a half ago, I was like, man, it should be a black owned magazine. I should say that I should be taking more ownership of that, what it is. And then everything happened this year. It's like, okay, you should definitely keep it what it is. Yeah. Not from a money standpoint, just like that's, you know, it separates for, from itself. And also it's like, you know, my publicist was like, you probably should probably keep it like that's your target, you know, and also keep developing that to be something more realistic. And now it's becoming, I guess, you, I guess as anything, you start finding your direction and what you're trying to do. If you're, photographer or whatever it is you don't know what the fuck you're doing when you pick up a camera but by the time you're in that six seven years you know what the fuck you're doing you know how the business work you know everything work so it's kind of like that how it is you know i love that it's, it's black owned and it's youth owned like you know what right. i mean it's not some corporate white driven money hungry right. piece is it to shed light on artists and and creators is the magazine pieces is it like shit because i know you had uh the last covers are like hit boy was just on there murder beats and shit so be, in depth is, is does it go into different creatives or is it targeting just like sharing these stories from these like well-known creatives it is supposed to is we're trying to get to that point it's like um magazines don't make that much money so it's like i mean I, when i realized when i was like when the last time you even bought a magazine first of all so right. it's like you have to be kind of strategic about what you do so you can't do everything at first you got to be you got to kind of build it and and have writers and people on board. So writers and stuff kind of came on like this this year mostly. So it's like, you got to make sure you're hiring the right writers to have the right story. You got to figure out the stories being like targeted the right way, making sure you're not talking to like, I don't want to be a music magazine. It needs to be our black people's voices at some point, you know, like you have, it doesn't have to be black people. It can be any person walks of life, you know, but it's more about making sure the content isn't like a no jumper, or like right. something that's easy, you know, like, you know, you can make controversial content moved to the internet really fast but making authentic content that represents you know black culture you know whether it's you know j cole or hit boys like you know making sure like we're having a conversation like murder beats had a the run the writers asked about you know you're in you're in black music how have you contributed to the circumstances that happened this year he had a really defiant question about what it is it's really authentic you know he knows that he's from canada you know so but it's really cool hearing that you know hearing like amine had a conversation about him being from Portland. He raised, he was raised in Portland, so he loved white women. And then, you know, he that wasn't nothing he could do nothing about. He was just around that. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. Right. But those things I started really like, yo, like as as the conversations have become in over the last six months, become like, okay, we should start finding a voice for what we're trying to do. Sure. And 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 when people know what it is, you see it all the time. So it's more about maybe next year, like focus more on the quality and focus more on, you know. We're doing stuff with Nike, hopefully, where it's the collaboration where we can do bring in more athletes and stuff like that. So it's like the things are happening. It just takes time and you can't do everything at once. You got to kind of be patient with it because everything doesn't make money. So you got to like opportunity outweighs the money sometimes with some people. Um, of course. And just take it step by step by step, you know. So if people want to check it out, how, how can they check out Pre Magazine? You can go to Preem.xyz. XYZ is a subscription. Is there like a newsletter to it too? And, and so on, like, how does it work? 
Well, that's the thing. We're also trying to figure that out too. It's like the I have a a uh, advertising person. It's like slash business manager. He's like he tells the same things. We need to figure out the scripture stuff, but it's like you know you got you just can't. And he works at like uh, another agency. He's really big, and so when you realize like somebody like Vogue or something like that has been doing stuff for so many years, they have all the relationships with like you know print people, whatever. So they can do they can give you a five dollar magazine. Or you you start learning that you know Bo or GQ like they don't make nothing off their magazine. They make money off the content around the magazine. Right, right, the, right. the magazine is like the essence, the OG. But if I got the social media being sponsored by whoever it is, or twenty four hours with YG is being sponsored whoever it is, then that's the where the where it needs to be at. The subscription part is like oh, this is something there. If you want to buy it, that's the that's for Collectors. people who still read magazines, yeah. you know. But so it's been like you know trying to figure out its place, you know, like. Same with directing, you know, trying to figure out, you know, learning step by step what works for you, you know, like I'm the type of person where I don't want to make it where it's like a blog because I don't want to do something every day. You know, I want people to buy stuff, you know what I mean? Like buy the magazine. You can't find anywhere but in the magazine type situation. Like yeah, be a little cool. different. Don't put it out there for free. You can, yeah, I want you to read it. Cool. But we'll give it to you in a reader kind of way where we might do video content or a podcast content or sometimes it's just me. I'm the type of person where you just got to kind of create it and kind of keep building with it layer by layer till you get it where you need to be at. Yeah, you know, of course. With life, with directing, with photography, you're not, you you didn't walk the first day you started fucking walking as a kid. So <laughs> it took you many fucking times to fucking fall and bust your head. Yeah. So I was like, well, shit, if I just keep doing this every day, we got a little video today, we got a little this, we got a little podcast. Okay, cool. If, if we're attracting people now, then obviously we're doing something right. But when the money actually gets where we need to be at, we can start putting more money into it and like facilitating it. And like, even like this, like Zooms and stuff, is like taking advantage of, you know, People at the house chilling, you know. Yeah, get you a chance to get you used to it. It was a branding concept. Oh, we got this brand that whatever it is we can make today because we have access to somebody from the past. You know. Yeah. They nah. keep revisiting people and like, it's like to me. I feel like you know, you know what it is. It's like you know, you. It's this transition time. It's like a lot of these artists are like real estate. You know, it's like you can, you know, you can. Like for instance, like this girl we did a, she's like named Zaza, like we did. She's like 16. I don't know how old she is. She's like 14 or some shit like that. But last year, she kind of like, we did like a little documentary content about it. She's like 14 years old, right? So we go out to Kentucky and film like a little documentary thing. It's like, okay, we put on, and it had like a thousand hits off some regular stuff. And then she went to Ellen and they blew up. And next time your content goes from a thousand to half a million. It's like, well, that's monetizing space. I mean, if you put it the right way, you right. can make back that money you went to wherever it is. Yeah. But, you know, it's so many, I don't know, you get into the big money spectrum because it's like, we're transitioning, like as as a creators, like if you can make content and like we did, a, like for instance, like the last issue we did some with RDC World, like them dudes are like, you know, they're like you know, Mr. Beast on YouTube. It's like as soon as they drop some shit, it's like it goes from zero to a million in like an hour sometimes. Right. You know what I mean? So that's power. You know what I mean? For the transition that's happening now, we have like Netflix and all these places looking for content, like running around searching for unreleased you know girlfriends and stuff trying to buy the, the stock of the what it is but you know if you're a content creator now it's like you do better just like making your own stuff struggle with it and you know after a while the money start coming to you directly instead of running out here searching around for people to do your stuff so yeah man no that's part of it it's like it's a you gotta climb the ladder see how it goes but you'll learn a lot along the way so everyone needs to if you're listening right now everyone needs to go and fucking subscribe to the newsletter and cop some mags you know what I mean 
Uh, that's dope, bro. I, I, uh, you know, I don't want to keep holding you up, but this shit's it's been sick, man. It's, it's like you know, sometimes you got to fucking, like you said, thug it out and try to figure out the route and, and really practice and develop your skill sets and, and connect dots. And I think networking is like one of the most key uh, takeaways out of this shit. You know what I mean? Like, by especially you- now, bro. Like, a girlfriend becoming a trying to become a violent. Like, man, it's so much access to like, especially from like you know, two thousands to now. It's like, bro, you can slide some DM that may be halfway relevant but can give you information about yeah something like yeah. this conversation right. dm yeah you know? yeah straight up was dms i don't even remember right, what, right. what was it like uh damn i don't even remember when it was but i was like yo i think i saw you like something of black widow creams i was like bro yeah. i've been following you for what the fuck hop on the show <laughs> yeah i didn't know this shit i was like what the fuck you don't follow me oh fuck like the other day i was just like on some website and come to find it was following cream i was like what the fuck How you, follow cool. magazine? you know so it's like Let's connect. Let's do some shit together because you have some. Obviously, I found your magazine, do some ad space. Obviously, doing something right. You know right. What I mean? So, and like you guys, the same way is like y'all talk about such the most realest shit from any photographer. But it's like so much information to give you more insight about a mystery that you didn't know that about about your career. You know? Yeah. Not even just photography. If I want to learn to be the best BMXer. Well, shit, there's plenty of shit out there to like, oh, Teach buy this you. bike. I spent like five hours one day looking for the right BMX bike. Yeah. Long story. Yeah, I feel it, man. No, <laughs> Three days, actually. That's great, bro. Well, shit, I appreciate you doing this, man. I, I hope everything stays well and, and wish your father some good luck out there. And uh, we'll connect whenever you come out here next. For sure. Thank you gotta you. hit me up. Thank you for this, man. All right. Appreciate it, bro. All right, man. Be safe. Yo, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you want to connect with other like-minded creatives, share your work, get feedback, ask questions, find job opportunities, and so much more. Join our free private community at bwnc.com slash join we would love to have you also we're trying out that thing i told you at the beginning of the episode the community questions of the week where we're going to take your calls answer your questions on the podcast if you have a question that you want us to answer on the show uh, send it in record a voice note or a video on your phone and email to bwnc submit at gmail.com keep it 90 seconds or less please we're hyped about this idea i'm stoked to try it out and i just want to give you guys a shout out for supporting the show thank you whether you shared it with a friend, a creative homie, or whatever, or left a review or engaged with us on social media or texting, the newsletter, whatever it is, I appreciate that. And, and we it means the world to us. So thank you. Let's keep going. Um, enjoy the work week. Keep creating. And I'll see you next week, you bitch!